0: Almost, almost summer uh, to you lovely, beautiful people out there. I thought uh, it would be nice to start today's episode with a little... How are you? How are you doing? How How are you feeling today? Um, are you coming to us in a good mood, looking for maybe a little bit of laughter or a little bit of introspection? Or are you silently crying on the floor of your laundry room, uh, needing a pick-me-up? I don't know. Wherever you're at right now. Um, we hope that you're doing well and a getting a little bit of sunshine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, like we need, um, we need a name. We need the name.
0: Oh yeah. This one's a fun one. Um, I told Sean about this already, but the other day, my lovely mother, she texts me and she says, good morning, light motif. And in brackets, ask Sean. And both light motif and Sean were spelled incorrectly.
1: Oh, you didn't mention that she spelled my name wrong.
0: Yeah, your spelling of Sean is is in is uh, uncommon. I think normally, well, I think she also uses like voice to text. Well, S-E-A-N. so it automatically comes out Sean, and it automatically comes out light motif. It
1: was more uncommon when I was a kid. It's more common now. Uh, it's as more a, common now. Yeah. As a kid, yeah. I was called "seen" almost constantly, and actually, <laughs> I often will use a different name on a coffee order. Uh, just what do you use on a coffee order? I'll go with John because no one gets John wrong. Not Bartholomew. Um, yeah, Bartholomew occasionally, uh, but that's only when I go yeah, to just um, for, just to switch it up. The Abbey.
0: Medieval cafes, <laughs> not the Abbey.
1: <laughs> yeah, I get my coffee from. A bunch I mean, of yeah, moms.
0: no. <laughs> It's like that, um, there's like a Mennonite bakery downtown that has really good bread. That's when you use Bartholomew.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: um, both leitmotif and Sean were spelled incorrectly. I think that was a, that was a voice-to-text thing, because I know she knows how to spell both of those things. Um, but I was I thought that was just so sweet. What a wonderful thing to say. Um, I'm happy that I know what a leitmotif is. Uh, I, I'm i proud of myself for having that little bit of, of musical knowledge. Um, but it was very sweet. So, to all of you... Hello,
1: light motif. Wait, should I describe what a light motif is very quickly, very, very quickly?
0: Sure. Yeah. Go for it. I mean, I think a lot of people probably don't know what it is an idea
1: in music that's either the foundation or just explicitly repeated in it. So, you know, for example, the opening of a little night music. You know, den 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 That little rhythmic motif is what you'd call that, right? Yeah. That's it. That's important. Uh, so it's an idea and a piece of music and a light motif is sometimes a shorter idea, sometimes a longer idea, but generally it's used to represent a specific thing though. It can also just mean a shorter, uh, motif, um, popularized and codified by Wagner, but sort of appeared before him just wasn't labeled as such. Uh, that's but so he wrote very long operas with a lot of characters. So leitmotifs were sort of a way of saying like, hey, this is what's happening right now. Uh, and so he's he's the one who made them famous. And also that's where the sort of name is generally taken from. But he wasn't the first to do them. Um, that's just sort of a natural thing in music. If you have dramatic people within your song, you will represent them in some way. Schubert does it all the time, but no one ever says he invented it. Anyway,
0: I find it so interesting that that's that's I mean, I know that that's the correct definition. And I'm I'm glad that you said the definition because mine is a little bit different because I learned what a leitmotif is through film. Like I I know what a cinematic leitmotif is. So to me, it's just like the theme that follows a character in a film. So if there's a a repeat musical um, theme played on screen for a character or an event or something. That's that's meant to that's that's um, exactly pattern.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah, that's that's what I know a leitmotif as the only difference.
0: There you
1: go. Um yeah, no. Uh Bernard Herman, uh, was an excellent, Mm -hmm. excellent leitmotif writer. He was Hitchcock's
0: I always think of the um um,
1: orchestrator and composer. For a while. I think of the Darth Vader one. Make him do different things and he said no more and they stopped working together (laughs) Uh,
0: back to hitchcock we could bring up hitchcock
1: every single episode (laughs) what was the topic of this episode again
0: (laughs) the topic of this episode and the reason why i ask all of you lovely listeners how you're doing today um is because the topic of today is uh self-care um i wanted to see if you're all you know looking after yourself taking care of yourself Uh, The reason why I'm interested in self-care and why I feel like I have a little bit of authority to talk here, um, you know, besides just being a human being who needs to take care of themselves, uh, is that this year I released a documentary on the topic of self-care. It was called In Search of Self-Care, and it was directed by two very lovely people um, who I adore from university here, and I was their editor. Uh, We all conducted interviews, and Sean was actually one of my interviewees, and um, it was great talking to him about... Um, his self-care regimen and, and what self-care means to different people. Um, and the reason I wanted to, to talk about this is because in making that documentary, I started to really think about what self-care looked like in my life. And I kind of realized that it was pretty different from the idea of self-care that I, I had in my head. Um, I actually interviewed myself for the documentary, and so that's why I have all these thoughts just swarming around in my head. On the topic of self-care, because I feel like the idealized, kind of romanticized version of self-care that immediately comes into people's heads has to do with um, this frilly luxury of bubble baths and face masks and taking a day playing hooky from work. Um, when in reality, I see self-care as a hard necessity, something that we have to do every day that that we can't live without. So for that reason, um, a lot of my self-care practices is very simple um, and just revolves a lot about the little things. Uh, and before I talk a little bit about, you know, my self-care routine and what I do to take care of myself and, and all that, um, Sean, I'd love to ask you what your self-care routine looks like if there's little actions that you do in your day-to-day life that you are certain that you recognize as purely self-care?
1: Uh, yes, I would say mm-hmm. there are. Um, I'm not consistent with them, though I do better when I am consistent with them. I. Um,
0: That's how you know you're doing it right. I'm
1: someone who, I'm trying to find the right sort of terminology here, has has dealt with uh, and deals with uh, currently uh, a lot of anxiety and what can be mm. described as uh, depressive episodes and or sort of an ongoing uh, depressive low mood is what they also call it now. I find that very interesting uh, as a term. Low
0: mood seems seems like an understatement. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, is, that, but it's also, is that an understatement?
1: It's Well, it... Let's get to that in a second. I'll focus on the question, sure, but I think yeah. that's a good—that's a great thing Start to talk about. Actually, the way we talk mm-hmm. about this is super important. Um, yeah, a I lot agree. of my self-care revolves around getting through the day. Um, sure. So it—you know—the opposite of that frivolous, frilly idea of self-care, uh, just sort of—you know—things you can't live without. I'm not taken to that extreme necessarily, but uh, managing yourself. Um, so there are a few things that I think maybe wouldn't be classified as self-care because they're not so obviously that. But I th- I think um, they are quite literally me taking care of myself. Uh, mm. Here's a little thing I do that I recommend everyone does if you're listening. Um, it's probably the most influence I have anywhere in my life. Um,
0: <laughs> On our viewer in Texas.
1: I'm telling you right now, your tongue is tense. It is tense. It has been tense. What? every day of your life and the way to release it <laughs> is not to stretch it out of your mouth I get, you get that a lot especially um, as well, someone... yeah
0: doesn't that make it worse
1: sort of it's it's you know it's, it's better than like bunching it up in the back but uh, as someone who's done a lot of work with uh, choirs I led a choir for two years um, you know tongue tension is just one of the most common problems of anyone in the world and um, and a wonderful vocal teacher i had uh,
0: sorry I don't, want, I don't mean to giggle it's just
1: no it's it's true um <laughs> it is it is funny uh you have to release the back of your tongue so that's what you want to I'm focus doing it right on now. not to push it forward cuz a lot of singers they get told put your tongue right behind your teeth um, cuz that's better vocal posture uh, for your vowels um and that's actually quite foreign to most north americans because most of us have uh our tongue in the back of our mouths as we speak
0: i'm i'm currently relaxing my tongue
1: it feels great it feels great your jaw and your tongue are tense and you need to be able Oh, to i need them. to chill so one of the things i do because i hold a lot of tension uh to the point that i actually have a permanently stiff neck like anytime i move mm-hmm. my neck to the side it will crack i put, yeah, I remember you I put me all that. of my anxiety into my neck for some reason um just releasing little parts of your face. So I, throughout my day, will remind myself to just release the back of my tongue little things. Now, also great it's little thing. That if yeah. you clench a muscle and release it, it will be more relaxed than it was before. That doesn't work super well with the tongue. Because <laughs> it's a little hard, <laughs> hard to clench your tongue. Um, but, uh... So that's a little thing. I do little things to release tension in my body because I. That's great. So I, I have a very physicalized anxiety. So uh, it's, yeah, it's in my Yeah, mind we talked for about sure, this on
0: the anxiety episode. But mm-hmm. I, I, some
1: you know, some people, their anxiety is it's much more mental. Um but especially throughout this year it's been a very taxing time for someone who's anxious.
0: Yeah, no my um, anxiety is very physical so I can I can relate to that. Yeah,
1: I uh, for a while I felt like my heart was going to rip itself off from its arteries. It was really sure a tense time. So um you know find ways to release little bits of tension. Uh, and that's yeah, also what I want rest to your touch body on a, a lot bit. Of that's great. my self-care is just little things because if it's a big thing I won't do it consistently and i think it's a lot Mm, it
0: just it just takes too much mental and physical energy to to
1: do that it's a lot like people trying to exercise a lot of people when they try and you know get in shape quote unquote oh
0: let's get into this i love this very
1: heavy yeah this will relate exactly to one of the ways i know you do self-care which is through exercise um people will do an extreme they'll sign up for a gym and then they'll do you know 80 reps of everything yeah try and just break themselves uh that's, and you just burn out yeah and the thing is is that that culture is there there's a reason people think they need to do that the culture of burn your bones to a crisp
0: it's it it goes pre- pretty deep it goes yeah, pretty it's, deep it's, it's kind of hard to prevalent. ignore that ego that says i can do as much as possible and just push my limits. and it has but that's not necessarily the best opposite thing.
1: effect because the thing is mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. best thing you can do is just something consistent um yep. and so for me especially as someone who is not Great at taking care of uh, of himself, I would list that as a symptom of the uh, mental illnesses. I of hate, the low moods. hate that term, but mental illnesses I've had to deal with is a lot of it is just an inability to take care of myself um, mm-hmm. in a consistent way, and so. Self-care doesn't always feel good. It doesn't always look satisfying. It doesn't always feel satisfying. Yeah, or I, I know this is something
0: that you want or, to touch on. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. um, overreaching, that it, it fixes your whole life. I think that's a very Hollywood idea and also a very marketable idea. It's much easier yeah. to, Hollywood's a good way to put s- it. sell someone on um, fix this your life in a day. going to feel great. Fix your liver yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in two hours. You know, rejig mm-hmm. your life, start all over again, see the face of God buy our napkins see the face of god you know it's but that's much more marketable on your head? rather than rather than um <laughs> do a small thing every day and eventually it yeah. will feel better and it will become second nature and it'll be much easier to do the larger things that come up when you don't expect them to um yeah so, yeah, I think uh there are a few things to touch on there that I know you have a lot to say about and I want to hear about your relationship to exercise as self-care.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because I'm like I'm the type of person to use exercise as self-care and I I didn't always do that and I I won't really get into that, but um recently I I have been in you know, you know the past couple say like 6 to 9 months or so I've been taking care of myself with exercise. I run uh, almost every day and I strength train and I just adore running, especially in the summer. Um, It's really meditative. It's really wonderful just to be able to take, you know, half an hour to an hour of my day. That's just for me. And I don't have to focus on anything other than just my breathing and my heart rate and my, my form, whatever, you know, keeps me going. Um, I, I find it really relaxing and it just helps me And it helps me in ways that I don't uh, always see. It helps me in kind of invisible ways, too. I mean, I, I sleep better and X, Y, Z, whatever. Running's great for you. I love it. Um, but overwhelmingly, when I tell people that I run, the response tends to be, oh, I hate running. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Or as people say, you know, like, oh, I have shin splints, so I can't run. Mm-hmm. And... That's when I get into the conversation with them where they say, I really want to exercise. I, I want to take care of myself in that way. I think it would be really good for me and really beneficial, but I just don't like it. And usually that's because they do exactly what you're saying. They, they go to the gym, they push themselves crazy hard, and then they never want to go back again because they hated it. And what I always tell those people is just like, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do any of that. You can find... What feels good to you? You can walk your dog. You can go skateboarding with your friends. You can, you know, go rollerblading. You can, you can try a jog. And if you don't like it, you don't have to continue. But um, seeing exercise as a means of self-care as opposed to a means of punishing your body is (laughs) life-changing. It is life-changing. So that's something that that means a lot to me and that plays a big part in my self-care.
1: If I could actually just just interrupt you a little bit. Uh, please not let it not that i've ever asked before the other times i've done that <laughs> um that's just how our conversation goes
0: uh yeah we think i
1: think a lot of it has to do with self-care as um priming yourself for consumption uh i think that's sort of the angle a lot of these things take the point of exercise is to be consumed to be seen as someone who exercises to be Someone who is oh
0: yeah in that shape. that I can relate to. The point
1: isn't yourself. You just you just want to
0: be someone who exercises, other people who yeah.
1: consume you. Yep. Uh, you are the yep. product of these companies, uh, and that's I think a large part of it is you end up basing your identity around how you are perceived and consumed and uh, interpreted by other people, and that's why I think a lot of people uh, don't do exercise is because. they do
0: what they think they should be doing as opposed to what they actually might enjoy yeah
1: good to look good for other people and in the ways other people want them to look good and uh exercise is is not that and it shouldn't be that um and if you want it to be that you'll be disappointed Uh, and you also, it would be much harder to continue. Some people, that is the impetus is they're insecure about their looks and that can actually get them the whole way through, even with that as a catalyst. But that isn't always how it's going to work for other people. For example, uh, exercise for me, I used to run. Um, and so when I say I hate running, it's, uh, from a place of someone who really did for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I just, I mean, I might come back to it, but a lot of it was that I was consumed with how I looked when i ran and if i didn't run consistently if i took a break you know and i saw that in my body i would feel 10 times worse if as if i hadn't been running and so a lot of that mm-hmm. wasn't running um it was just my own issues but uh i it's it's difficult because some parts of your brain work better when you're exercising uh and i yeah. i'd love to hear you talk yeah, about that. Felt the, that the mental health aspect of exercise i think is really overlooked
0: yeah I, I want to say one thing and then we're going to take a break, but um, I want to mention that I I do think, I hear what you're saying, but I do think it's a little more complicated than that. And I recognize that a lot of people um, exercise for reasons that are kind of beyond their control in a way. There's there's this wanting to appeal to, I want to be the type of person who exercises, or I want to be the type of person who looks like this. And it just runs so deep that mm-hmm. I I really can't, Blame the individuals and, you know, no matter where you're at, if you exercise or don't exercise or you want to, or you tried and you don't like it, it doesn't matter. You just have to do what's right for you. And, and I, I, in no means mean to critique the people who come to me saying, oh, I hate running because, you know, everyone has to do what's right for them. And, um, I just think we're all trying to work around this horrible, like diet and exercise culture that we have in place. So, um, No matter what you're doing, I'm rooting you on is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Um, Yeah, and I I think we'll take a little break and then we'll come back and, and chat a little more about it. are right back um so we were talking about exercise and um one of the things that i would love to discuss a little bit about exercise is the ways that it affects me and benefits me um not to sound like a like a like a public service campaign um but for me it's um and and i touched on this a little bit it's just really meditative um i have a lot of thoughts For a majority of the day, it pretty much switches on when I wake up and turns off when I fall asleep. So to have an hour of my day in the morning, just switch that off um, and just focus on what I'm doing and just follow my trainer or just go outside and run and listen to a podcast. Um, I've done it for long enough now to recognize, okay, this 45 minutes... I don't need to think about anything else. I'm just going to be here, try and be present, think about what I'm seeing and feeling, and just focus solely on the exercise. um, And it just kind of sets me up for a better day. So I find that meditative part of exercise really helpful. And that's the reason why, um, I mean, you know, a majority of the reason why I do it every day. Um, But it benefits me in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, And that's, that's pretty much like my major pillar of self-care besides little things. Um, The other one, is cooking and food. I'm. Uh, I think I mentioned this in her first podcast when I introduced myself as a short, caring chef. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I'm a. I'm a very, very beginner home cook. Bringing it back. Um, and I'm pretty sure that for the average college student, the meals that I eat on the daily are a little more, a little more fancy and a little more, uh, put together. Or at least I like to think they are. Well, some college um, students
1: develop scurvy, so I think the bar is not. <laughs> Uh, through yeah,
0: I know. I know a couple of people who are like close to scurvy, and to them, I just say, "Hey, take your take your vitamin C supplement, and
1: everything's gonna be okay." I eat about thirty oranges <laughs> a month, so I'm okay. But um, yeah, and limes. Uh no, not as many limes. That's a summer thing. I am a big wow, citrus fan. Um, uh, <laughs> but no, diet diet is a, a huge part of it.
0: Yeah, I think it's I think it's more than diet though. I've 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 thought about it a lot more recently. Um, it is both the act of cooking and the act of feeding myself. Mm. I, in the act of cooking, I also find it very meditative because the the meals that I cook, they do take a little bit of brain power to prepare. And, and usually I'm kind of making them up as I go. So I don't really have the the neurological capacity to be thinking about a million things while I'm cooking. I'm very focused on the activity of cooking and it, it's, it's really relaxing. And I'm I'm sure if anybody else... Um, loves to be in the kitchen as much as I do they can relate to that um and then when the meal is finished and the food gets put on the plate I'm looking at this amazing meal that I've made for myself and I eat it and I go that was just for me
1: oh Um, I I eat it and I go this is terrible (laughs) this is awful I eat it and I I go
0: this is raw I didn't
1: do this correctly (laughs) I just threw trout in a bowl." (laughs) and drizzled soy sauce on it it's actually it's just sand
0: it's just it's just sand in a bowl with some mayonnaise but
1: you made it and that's
0: but i made it for me and that's what makes it special no i just like i look at these beautiful meals and I, i i cook for myself alone and i just think wow i i did this for myself i i had no reason to prepare this beautiful meal other than because i wanted it and it would be something that i enjoyed and um yeah, I just I think that's so beautiful, and I find that cooking and feeding myself is one of the days that I kind of promise to nourish myself and take care of myself and look after myself three times a day. Um, and if I if I didn't do that, I don't think I would have as much self compassion and self care. Um, so. From something as seemingly small as cooking a meal for myself, I've developed a a, a great deal of just self self love and just an appreciation of my time with myself and um, yeah, I love it. It's fun. It's a good time. Yeah.
1: No. I uh, um I think I think yeah. actually you touch on a really uh, interesting thing. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna build off a little bit there of um, build the way. I think you're you're tapping into a very human desire, which is to be productive, to produce, well, and to eat. Now, well. Well, because just to eat would be you just ordering something or whatnot. That you're you're going past the sort of uh, animalistic. I'm going to eat something right now and taking the time to make it for yourself. But more importantly, I think one of the things we forget because it's conflated with uh, being profitable is that we human beings are naturally inclined to be productive, to make things, and to see themselves in their work, and uh, mm. that gets lost a lot in people saying, oh, we, you know, naturally, um, you have to make money sort of thing, Like right? We naturally have a drive to make money. It's like, yeah. that's not true. Um, that's just the way things are currently set up. We have a natural drive to, to eat and that's, we have to do that through money currently, um, and to make <laughs> things. And the idea that we make things because they make us money, I think is false. It's just true now that they make us money, but-
0: I see what you're saying. saying So it's, it's this very human thing that I do this for myself Yeah. yeah, as a productive activity that, that has nothing to do with money or, you know, for that matter, it doesn't have anything to do with anything else. When I cook for myself, it's just me nourishing myself and enjoying a meal. That's the whole point. And, you know, getting like energy obviously, but it's, it's, it's just really central. Um, and it, it feels good to me. It feels really good in that moment. Um, but I know something that you and I have talked about a lot um, is how self care sometimes doesn't feel good, and it doesn't feel right in the moment, and maybe it doesn't feel good after either. So, um, yeah, I-, I wanted to ask you to expand on that a little bit because I think it's fascinating.
1: Yeah, I think it sort of ties in um, to a lot of what we've been saying, especially when it becomes profitable um, that uh we do sometimes feel the need to do these extremes and fill the thing of, oh, now I feel so great. Um, you know, people might not cook for themselves because they don't like cooking. They don't like all sure. these different sure. things. And sometimes, uh, and this is not an easy piece of advice, you need to do it anyway. Um and I and I think <laughs> rather than use that as a compassionate thing, it's been weaponized a little bit. Uh you know, the sort of millennial yeah. snowflake thing of oh pull your pants up and your bootstraps and pull a lot of things gets pulled up. Um it's a We, in we your like shirt. to
0: pull things up and pulled America. up and tucked in.
1: It's it's a little much, frankly. French um tuk. the sort of oh, you can't do anything for yourself. But like sometimes you do need to do something that isn't going to feel satisfying. And when we look at these extremes, you know, um, of like oh you know I go to the gym because I'm addicted and you know I cook because I make the most beautiful thing in the world it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be fantastic yeah exactly if
0: that's what works for you like it's it's what works for me and, then yeah. great but it's not the same for everyone but like
1: any exercise you do is, is better th- than none and if you there's an exercise mm. you do that feels good great and if there's one that feels a little difficult you know be patient with yourself and then as long as you're being safe, don't hurt yourself. Uh, right. It, it's, <laughs> don't injure yourself. You know, we we also have a tendency to want to push ourselves a little bit. But because um, we're told... There's a balance you to it, to though. Do like, if everything you're, if you're to just the constantly... Maximum. Yeah, everything to the maximum, Yeah. then... If you're
0: constantly just pushing yourself, pushing yourself and calling it self-care and it's not actually really giving anything back, then you kind of have to pause and reevaluate and think, well, what is the point of this? Am I actually just doing this for myself? Or is it my ego telling me... That I can do
1: more. Hmm. Is it Or is it me at all? Am I involved in what I'm doing? Am I the catalyst yeah, of my exactly. own actions? Um, that's a huge part of self-care, is feeling as though you're in control of your life. And let me tell you, of all the times in my life that I felt in control of it, this isn't one of them. Uh, being in a pandemic uh, <laughs> is not yeah, exactly. a time to feel as though you're in control. Um, but mm-hmm. I... Yeah, there are a lot of things I don't want to do that I do. I, for example, naturally, my whole life have been a recluse. I have been very introverted. Uh, It took me a very long time to be able to look people in the eye if they were strangers.
0: You're introverted in a very fascinating way.
1: Yeah, so I am someone who naturally does not like to talk, can't stop talking. And also, (laughs) I, um, I... don't feed into those impulses because if i just did mm. my impulse can i ask
0: just just before you expand on that um i've said expand on that twice i'm so sorry that's to my okay. my university ta so i've stole that from um what do you mean by impulses what impulses do you not act on
1: uh that's exactly what i was about to say we're on the same way. oh
0: well look at that
1: um I the, the reclusive ones I think uh there was a good oh, period of, of my childhood that I stayed inside and played video games a lot. I still do that occasionally. Um but I have to sort of force myself to go outside, but I'm better off for doing that. I want to be clear, I'm much better off for doing of that. Course. But I have a tendency that I have to work with, <laughs> fight against, but work with I'll say because it's neutral. Um and a lie. I fight against a tendency to not talk to everyone in my life and suddenly never communicate with anyone and stay in my room and never get out of bed. And that's Mm -hmm. not fun for me. (laughs) I don't like getting out of bed most of the time. I don't like getting outside. Like a lot of these things, or at least I didn't for a good period of time. I didn't like communicating with people constantly. And sometimes... I really don't. Sometimes that comes back. I am introverted and I'm still fine with that. I'm not an introvert in the, you know, posting online about it all the time kind of way. I'm, or a misanthrope or anything. I just, I have a limit. Uh, I'm not a party person, uh, though no one thinks I am, but uh, I do have to specify that. <laughs> I, you know, I can hit my limit with uh, people, but I, yeah, mm-hmm. I really didn't like conversation. A Social lot of battery. was being yeah. caught in my own mind. Uh, but getting out of bed is, is good for me. Um and talking to people even when I feel a little bit drained or I just yeah. don't want to see anyone I I will I will do something to make myself talk to someone. Um part of that's the point of this podcast. Uh Yeah. But I just you know forcing yourself to
0: speak to someone. Even when I was uh, you know in once a week
1: a very very bad place in parts of high school I didn't quit the clubs and other things I was doing because I knew Good. that forcing myself to do these things would be something that helped because i don't know how to predict everything i as an anxious person my prediction is always nihilistic it's always pessimistic um Mm. and sometimes i can back it up rationally that's the really scary part um and so i would assume if i go into school if i go into this thing it's gonna suck everything's gonna suck i'm not gonna do it because it's gonna feel bad
0: how do you i i want to know this from you and this is I'm, i'm genuinely asking as a friend Um, because I don't know. How do you know what's good for you? I guess you kind of don't. You just have to make a judgment call.
1: A lot of life is understood from looking at it um, backwards, as Kierkegaard would tell you. That life must be lived forward, but can only be understood backwards is an approximation of the quote from Soren Kierkegaard. Uh, a fantastic <laughs> writer and a pretty good philosopher <laughs> um that's a funny joke for me and no one else
0: uh, yeah i truly have no idea um, who that person is i'm so sorry <laughs> but, uh,
1: yeah i think I'll go- the I'll Google. thing is I'll Google after. is we and i maintain this i've it's almost a a a light motif of this podcast um,
0: oh, wow. Look at you full circle. Yeah,
1: uh, That's a complete butchering of the use of that word, but it doesn't matter. That we disagree a little bit on the how much we need other people and how much we understand ourselves. And I think yes, we don't understand we do. ourselves. We understand ourselves uh retroactively and also we misunderstand ourselves retroactively uh sorry your you're a little bit wrong because the lens we use to look back on anything pessimism and optimism are just two sides of the same coin that blinds you Uh, they're Mm -hmm. both forms of blindness pessimism is not looking realistically neither is optimism they're both something that tints the lens of our vision um and our insight into ourselves uh, so even looking retroactively, so you, you, you think look you, back. you kind
0: of know what's right for you through the lens of other people.
1: Yeah, I think that's huh, why I, like that. I, you know, I was not a fan of crowds. I'm still not a fan of crowds. I'm still sometimes not a fan of people. Sometimes I really don't want to talk to anyone. But I have developed a deep love for other people generally, even if sometimes it's a little hard. Uh, um because <laughs> i really do believe that we need each other and i think the one of the biggest issues with the self-care industry in my opinion is the focus on individualism on a very mm. individual version of self care yeah it's
0: true self self-care even from like relatively new perspectives that we would consider to be progressive are still very focused on the individual i to be honest I mean, I, like you said, we have very different views on this kind of thing. I think that that's fine, because to me, placing self-care um, and and my value of self-care on other people, like I've tried it, it does not work for me as much as leaving it to myself. But I think we have different, different kind of perspectives on that.
1: I mean, yeah, that's part of the problem, is we don't know how, and we assume...
0: That it isn't mm. good.
1: It's interesting that you say that, but you say what you said about exercise. What do you mean? Well, that it's not exercise, is that they didn't like what they were doing specifically. You don't have to do the ways of doing it that you don't like. It doesn't mean you don't have to do it all together. It doesn't mean that exercise is I bad. I see. For you. I see. I think a lot of it is that we focus so much on the individual, we don't talk about the healthy ways of existing with other people. And in the way, right? That other so people... there,
0: there is a balance. Yeah, there. yeah. And I, I, I think yeah, okay, okay. we dismiss
1: things because we don't talk about how... it's almost like an abstinence-only version of <laughs> you know um, <laughs> of self-care. Of self-care, and that you you focus only on yourself, and we're not going to talk about what you do if you need someone else. But we all need other people. We all need other mm. people. And if you think you aren't needing someone else right now, you're ignoring someone. We all need other hmm. people, but we also need to know how to take care of ourselves while that's happening. We can't. Yeah. Um. We need other people. That doesn't mean we can rely on them.
0: Hmm. Okay. So, well, we're we're coming up on the on the oh, do, oh I, I want to let you finish uh, your, just, finish your
1: thought. <laughs> um. So to say what feels good, a lot of it is based in can I achieve a stability while Mm. taking care of others and having a healthy relationship with the other people in my life I think if that relationship is damaging your relationship with yourself that's something Um, but if your relationship Mm. with yourself seems to be damaging your other relationships with other people, good people if it's damaging relationships with bad people, quote unquote, if that exists you know what I mean If you have an unhealthy friendship. People that are not benefiting your life and and are actually
0: taking away from it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Just be aware of the world around you because that's just as much a part of the world inside you as the world inside you is.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as we're, we're, you know, coming up on the end of our time. um, But I want to say that the reason I asked you, like, oh, how, how do you know what's best for you? Um, is because I kind of struggle with that a little bit. I don't always know what's best for me, and sometimes I act in a way that I I think I'm benefiting myself, and then I kind of have to check myself and realize, you know, that's not helping me at all. Like, I think, oh, it'll be really good for me to um, take this summer course, and it'll be be really beneficial, and I'll learn something, and then I check myself, I go, that was really stupid, I should have just taken the time to rest, or whatever, what have you um I like my summer courses that's a bad example but anyways I I don't um I don't really want to like preach anything about self-care when we made the documentary I I was doing that quite a bit and I realized that that kind of doesn't really make any sense because self-care is just so broad and looks so different to people everywhere that i i really can't give any advice especially because i'm still kind of working it out myself too um but what i will say um that's uh, that i in no way mean to be preachy or or advice giving because i don't know what i'm doing I'm uh, not this a professional. is
1: this podcast is in some way just the pontifications of two uh 20 year olds so it's all right. I'm okay with that accepted that
0: yeah i think i think everyone kind of knows where we're at but what i what i do want to say is that i don't always know exactly what's best for myself sometimes it does backfire um but that doesn't mean i'm not going to try uh to take care of myself and to do things that are are self-compassionate and self-loving in in the best possible way and sometimes that will feel good and sometimes it won't um but i'm i'm just gonna give it my best shot i think is this is the point i'm trying to make
1: hmm. if we could end actually yeah. with a piece of advice from neither of us I would love to um, impart something my granny said to me, uh, (gasps) a woman who means very, very much to me. Um, Grandmothers uh, are always going to cry as I say it, and we're going to ignore that. Um, As someone who's been anxious my whole life, and I talked to her about that, she once told me, because we had been somewhere where there were these metal snails, it's... (laughs) this will make sense is she i I talked about the way i didn't always feel grounded i didn't always feel like i was in a in a home in some way you know um Mm -hmm. because of how anxious i was it was hard to feel at home anywhere when you're that anxious and she said looking at those snails she thought that's what i needed to be someone who carries their home on their back and when i think about that when oh you gosh. have a home, one of the most beautiful things you can do is welcome other people in. But it is still your home.
0: That is beautiful. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna think about that for a long time.
1: So, wow. Love you, Granny, and my Nana. We love you, Granny. Also, <laughs> I'm gonna. I want to say that as well. Both. All my grandparents. I love all my grandparents equally. Um, <laughs>
0: That's beautiful.
1: But, thank you, Granny.
0: Oh, thank you for sharing that. I think that is really important to remember how we can welcome other people into our lives and still maintain that they are ours. Yes. I love that. Well, thank you for, for chatting with me about this. And My pleasure. Um, to all of you out there listening, take care. Take care.